This is Michael Melfi, and welcome to the Be Investable podcast. Since late 2015, I have had the opportunity to host a pair of amazing programs called The Truck Talk and Be Investable, both on the Michigan Business Network. I invite you to please enjoy some of my legacy content I was able to create while being a host on that network. What you are listening to are some of the engaging conversations I've had with entrepreneurs and with innovative individuals from across the United States and in fact the world. They took the time to share their insights about what it means to be investable. And welcome back to the Trep Talk. This is Michael Melfi. We're on the Michigan Business Network and today... One of my good friends, Mr. Stephen Key. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you very much, Michael. I appreciate it. And Stephen, Stephen, you're the co-founder of Eventrite, amongst the much other things we're going to talk about today. But thank you so much for coming on the show. And as with each one of my guests, I love to ask you as a first question, what was the first time you made money and how did you do it? <laughs> the first time I made money... Uh, how far back do you want to go? I mean, you know, my first job or actually selling something that um, was more of a product? I, probably the first thing you sold is a product since that's what you seem okay. to have a knack for doing these days. Well, uh, thank you. Yeah. It yep. was actually very simple. Uh, I would make soft sculpture, and basically I would take a nylon and put cotton in there and sculpt a little funny face and take it out to a, a street fair and set up a little table and sell them. And I have to admit, the first time I started selling things I made, I was hooked. Um, it allowed me to get to know people, but it also allowed me to know our, our design products that people wanted. And if they didn't want them, I stopped making them and I would come up with something else very quickly because I was I was, you know, paying the rent and feeding myself. So that was in the day of selling stuff on street corners. Yep. I love it. And then, then from there, you quickly escalated to selling some pretty cool products from from what I can tell. And probably our, our listeners would most know uh, either Laser Tag or Teddy Ruxpin. And those had to be interesting experiences, to say the least. Do you want to share a little bit about your early sure. career and, and, and how you got into working with those type of brands? No, absolutely. I started, like I had mentioned, I was selling things at street fairs and county fairs and actually opened up a little store and started making things and selling them. But I knew um, that, I didn't know, but I was curious that if I could sell something on a street corner or store, how would I sell them to other stores around the world? And I was on that mission to figure that out. And along that mission... Uh, there was a startup company in Fremont, California in the late 80s called Worlds of Wonder. And they had this prototype. It was a talking teddy bear called Teddy Ruxpin. And they hired me. It was my first job. I'm in my late 20s. And I took it and loved it because I got to work on two number one hit toys. One was Teddy Ruxpin, the talking teddy bear, and the other one was Laser Tag. And it gave me uh, the ability to to work in a company for the first time, learn all about manufacturing because I lived over in over in China to help with the manufacturing and also work with companies because I was the kind of the go-between person in marketing and engineering to make sure everything looked right. So that was my first 
a real job, um, and it was a great opportunity because I got to see a lot of things firsthand. And I, I think that it's safe to say that kind of paved the way for the rest of your career, which we're going to talk about. And I, it, it, I believe shortly thereafter, if we did our research right, came along your, your, your next hit that you were able to work on with the rotating labels, correct? Well, very close. I left Worlds of Wonder uh, because it finally dawned on me that I wanted to get back to creating my own ideas and show those to companies and have them pay me a royalty like they were paying the, the creator of Teddy Ruxpin. And so I left Worlds of Wonder and I started coming up with my own ideas and showing those ideas to companies. And if they liked it, they would take it from me and bring it to market and do all the heavy lifting and pay me a royalty on each and every one they sold. So really the, the, the next idea that actually made quite a bit of money for me was a little basketball, indoor basketball game, a Nerf basketball game. It was called the Michael Jordan Wall Ball, which basically I just took a picture or poster of Michael Jordan and put it on a, a plastic backboard that was made by Ohio Art. And it, it, it leveraged the license that Ohio Art had of Michael Jordan, and it sold for over uh, sold for over ten years. I collected royalties <laughs> on something that probably took ten dollars to make. I had no intellectual property, and it sold for ten years. And the first year was about a hundred thousand dollars in royalties, and it was a, a really a wonderful experience. Like uh, it was on TV. There was a commercial with Michael Jordan, Jordan, and it was such a simple idea that it kind of um, – I was hooked again. I was hooked. I, I love product, Michael. I, yeah. I love them. And, <laughs> and uh, I don't think you have to reinvent the wheel. I think you can come up with simple ideas um, and license those ideas. And then after Michael Jordan, I started licensing different ideas in, in the packaging, spin formation and packaging, the back-to-school and, and plush and all over the place. That's that's awesome, and, and I eventually it led to a book with McGraw Hill, which is very cool. You're the author of one simple idea: turn your ideas into a licensing goldmine, while letting others do the work. And it, it seems that you've had a, a pretty good knack for that over the years. Well, I, I was really surprised when I got a I received a call from the vice president of McGraw Hill and said I should write a book. I don't think that ever happens too often. I thought, well, this is interesting. Why would I write a book? And one of my early students was Tim Ferriss that wrote the, the best-selling you know, book, 4-Hour Work Week. And I called Tim. I said, Tim, what should I do? And he said, well, Steve, you know, if you decide to write it, make sure you don't leave anything out. And sure enough, uh, I wrote for uh, the, the One Simple Idea for McGraw-Hill, and it's been selling for over six years now, and it's still a very, a very um, popular book. Because guess what, Michael? I, I gave it all away. Yeah. Um, I put everything that I've learned in 30 years, and I've been coaching other people now for 16, and in my coaching system, I just put everything in the book for $20. Right. And uh, and I did exactly what Tim said. Um, he also said, if you're going to write a book, write it like it's your last, and don't hold back. Don't tease your audience. Give it all away. If you're really, truly an expert, uh, give it all away, and it will come back tenfold. And that's exactly what I did. That's 
it's so awesome. And I, I, you know, as I hear these things, I, I didn't even know the Tim Ferriss thing, but that's an awesome connection as well. And doesn't surprise me. You, you really impacted a lot of people through InventRight. And we're going to talk in a second, just a little bit more about your coaching. I wanted to ask you really quick though, because our listeners are going to sit here and go, man, he has all this success. It must've been so easy. And just success just was a, he was a magnet to it. And, I got to believe there was times that were challenging or there was one moment that really was like the most challenging for you. Can you talk a little bit about what that looked like for you and how'd you get through it? I, I think it's all challenging. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, I think, I don't want anybody to think it's the easiest thing to do. It's not the easy. It's not hard either. Um, my father told me if you find something you really like to do, um, you'll never work a day in your life. And I think he was right. But also, I think what he was also saying, that if you find something you really love to do, during those hard times, you'll keep pushing through. Mm. And I think that's really important because um, I could I could probably wallpaper my house with rejection letters. Um, I'm, I've, I've been rejected so many so I'm in the business of rejection. How's that? Um, <laughs> Perfect. And so a lot of people don't like it. I don't like it either. I'm just, I just deal with it, I think, a little differently. When someone tells me no, um, I don't give up. I just, it it um, makes me want to try harder. Uh, so I just try to figure it out. Uh, if someone tells me no, you know, what can I do to change it? So I also know that because of the business of submitting ideas to companies, I do know it's going to be a lot of um, a lot of no's. I'm going to have to reach out to a lot of companies, and I'm going to have to come up with a lot of ideas. So, yes, I have been rejected many, many times. Um, and, yes, it does bother me, but it, I don't give up. Perfect. And I think that... I want to dive into that because I, I'm sure I'm sure some of the listeners are just as curious as I am. So you you often will have ideas or have over your career, and, and, and now you coach people around that. And given kind of what you said, that you give a lot of it away, you share with people exactly what they need to do in order to take their idea and get it licensed and potentially make money, even if they don't own the patent sometimes. You've been able to mm-hmm. coach people on how to do that. And I think for a lot of people, even myself as an IP attorney, I'm like, well, that, that, that's kind of cool. I like, I like to hear exactly how he's able to do this um, because I, I, I've seen some of, your, some of the testimonies around some of your clients and stuff. And so you have this company called EventRight that people can come and, and you will coach them or work with them to be able to, to, to gain those licensing knowledge. Is that correct? Yes. It, I started, well, it's kind of interesting. About 16 years ago, I went to my first inventors group. By Just by accident, I went there. A friend said, hey, people, are, they get together and they talk about inventions. And I'm like, well, why do they do that? I didn't understand it. So I, I went, and I was very um, surprised that people were struggling with how to bring a product to market. And I guess I was a, just a little bit of surprise. So I brought some things that I had brought to market through licensing. I showed everybody. And and I was I guess I was a pretty popular guy in the room. And uh, I was pretty quiet at that time. And, and I found my voice. And I started talking more and more about it. And 
And over the years, I kept on talking about it. And um, everybody asked, what is, what is InventRight? What are you doing? I said, I don't know what it's ever <laughs> going to be, and I don't really care. I, I just like to talk about it because it, um, this industry has been very good to me, and I've been very, very fortunate. Mm-hmm. I never thought I would ever uh, – like I, I really don't have very many skills. It's like the one skill I have, and – and it's something I really love to do. So I just I just talked about it, and it's become now a business, which is kind of odd because I'm an anti-business guy. <laughs> um, you know, I, I like licensing because you don't have to start a business. I like licensing because a company is going to do all the heavy lifting for you. But InventRight's become a business. There's almost over 20 of us now, and I'm really surprised. Um, we do everything different uh, than a traditional business would do. Um, but we do educate people on how mm-hmm. to license ideas. And I, I'm i very fortunate that I get to see a lot of ideas. Mm-hmm. I get to see people like myself and people that maybe they're just starting out and they're not quite sure what to do. So we try to help, and we help by doing YouTube videos called InventRight TV, I articles, I write for Entrepreneur, I write for Inc.com and Core 77. I also write books, One Simple Idea. Um, but we also have a coaching program that basically holds people's hands, Michael. That's what it does. We hold people's yeah. hands. But I tell them, you don't need us. You can just read my books. You can do it without us. <laughs> um, so what I realized is that because we have so many students around the world now, and we've been doing this for so long that I think we're very current on this topic. Probably, I'd say we have more experience on this topic than anybody on the planet now because of all the coaches and everything else. So what does that mean? It means two things. Um, I see what's what's happening, um, and I know how to get a deal done. And I know because we see licensing agreements once a week now, I know – why companies are, are taking ideas. So we share the knowledge. and um, But once I share it, I think people are surprised. Mm-hmm. I spoke at the USPTO last week and at a, a very large law firm in New York City. My topic was how to license an idea without a patent. Now, can you imagine being at the USPTO <laughs> United States Patent and Trademark Office, and I'm talking about how to do this without a patent. Um, it, it, it's, but they let you know they they know me and they know the content I'm delivering is right, mm-hmm. and they they do know that um, because I've been good friends with the USPTO. I'm a, I'm a big patent holder of over 20 patents. I've defended my patents in federal court against a toy company, Lego. Mm-hmm. They know that um, we have a lot of students that are very, very successful, but we do tell the truth that we pull back the curtain and give people information so they're not fearful. They're knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. It's okay to be a little concerned, but I don't want anybody to be motivated by fear. So we're we're just a, a very unusual company that, we started out not to be a company to share information, and, and so we do it in many, many different ways. I believe you, you just give it away. Yeah. And people want more we're here for it. So I really like this business. I really love it. We have a 
Um, there's someone I'm, I'm helping now. His name is Max. He's 12 years old. And Max is going to get a licensing agreement in the next two weeks. And he's 12. That's awesome. I couldn't be more proud. And so when our students are successful or someone reads one of my books or an article and they license an idea and have had some type of influence, I, f I feel good. I feel like I've done my job. And I think we all win when someone wins. We all win. There you go. I love it. And I, I can't, I, I, I can't help but think that some of this, you know, you got to get a lot of questions like, well, how do I protect myself as I walk in that company? They can just mm -hmm. steal my idea. I'm sure mm -hmm. those are the type of things that your book and the courses would be able to answer for someone is, hey, I'm really worried. I don't want to tell them my idea because they're going to steal it. I, I hear that all the time, at least in, where, where, when I work with people. Yeah, yeah that, that's very common. Um, in fact, that's the way I felt too. Yeah. But that's just not, that's not real. Um, I, I think you don't need a patent, but I, I do think you need perceived ownership. Mm -hmm. And um, that perceived ownership can be obtained by a well-written professional patent application, mm -hmm. right? And I yep. do talk about how to do that correctly. So th those are really great tools that the USPTO provides. So mm -hmm. it's working with companies that embrace us, creator people, and there's mm -hmm. thousands and thousands of those companies now. It's, it's acting professional. It's being reasonable. It's showing them products that um, can fit into their product line very easily. Um, it's all about business. There you go. It's not about protection. It's about business. It's about selling. Mm -hmm. and, and once you make that shift in your mind and become less fearful and just show them how to, how to you know, make money, you know, everybody mm -hmm. seems to work it out a little bit. So I, I don't think you own anything. Um, I like I said, I've been to federal court and I have patents and I know what's being done there. Um, I don't think companies steal ideas either. I, I think they might yeah. work around your idea, mm -hmm. and and I think that's fair. And then, but once you realize that they can do that, I like to teach people how to protect their ideas by by writing provisional patent applications that have workaround language. Mm -hmm. that stops them at every corner. And, and I tell everybody, it's really simple. Try to steal your idea from yourself. Mm -hmm. And then once you come up with all those variations, make sure you include those in your provisional patent applications. Got yeah. it. So now, assuming they, assuming they, 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 they got past the concerns around, around the protection and they, they followed your advice and they, they, they were able to go through provisional, then you'd be able to take them through you because know, I know I, sometimes people, I, I don't know how to negotiate a contract, or I don't, I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. your, your team, that's what the coaches are there for. They assist people in being able to mm -hmm. negotiate those contracts or being able to uh, work with their idea and then potentially get it to market by licensing. Yeah, yeah I think that's the biggest value that we, we bring to the table is that since we get to see so many deals that are being done, that um, – we understand that process that there is a sequence yeah. of events, and mm -hmm. that if you if you follow the sequence and if you're reasonable and you found the right company and you're doing all the right things for them to look at you as an asset, that you're going to get a deal every single time. And our success rate is pretty high because of it. So we have a dedicated person, David Fidoa, that um, has been doing it now for quite a while. He probably has 
30 deals on the table at any particular time. So, oh, wow. Yeah, most companies, you know, if they license once or twice, that's a, you know, a year, that's a lot. We do it every single day. Yeah. So we like that when one of our students has a contract licensing agreement we and the company's working with our student, they seem to underestimate the student. And we like that a little bit because they don't realize we're kind of behind the scenes. And we we kind of understand what they're what the difficult areas are going to be. We know how to work around those difficult areas with common sense. But, so it's and, tough. Yeah, to us, it's just every day. It's an everyday event. Um, but we do celebrate the successes. That's the other thing too. I really like. You know, I've had my successes, um, but I get to relive it again every time a student licenses <laughs> an idea. I get to relive it. Yeah. And our coaches get to relive it. So. We celebrate weekly, and it's really kind of fun. Um, when you end up teaching, um, the greatest gift you can give someone is their success. So it, it uh, you know, it, it, it's a labor of love, but it's also it, it's so rewarding. People don't realize how rewarding what we do is. Um, that's why we have a dedicated group. They're all inventors. They all have their own projects too, and. I'm actually the coach of the coaches. I coach them on their own projects. That's awesome. Well, it's important for them to still be in. Even though they're coaching, they're helping, they still need to, to work on their own things because you, you never, you, you always want to keep learning, and you only yeah. really learn when you do it. So my, my goal is to get people in the game, get them to try get them to do it. And once they mm -hmm. do it, everything changes. And I get to see the change in people, and I love it. That's that's awesome. Well, you, you you alluded a lot to success, and I I always like to ask because I'm sure most of our readers here would say, "Wow, he's been very successful." I could hear them. I can hear him saying it now. And for you at this point, you've seen and done a lot, and you've been able to help a lot of people be successful. How do you define success at this point in your career? Um, I think success at the Success for me from day one is being able to do exactly what you want to do, mm -hmm. and and that that you know when I was in college and changed you know degree you know I was a business major and I didn't like it and and wanted to be an artist and everybody thought I was crazy. I, I my father gave me the gift of of to try something you really like to do and I found something I really like love to do and so I've never worked a day in my life. I'm, I'm the richest man in the world. I would say so. <laughs> so great. Um, I'll go on a vacation in a couple of weeks for 30 days, um, bring my family, enjoy my family. Uh, I mean, how many houses can you live in and how many cars can you buy, right? So right. I think it's time. I think time is the precious thing. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I don't, you know, we all don't have enough of that. And that's very, you know, there's only so much time, right? So mm -hmm. I think if you have time, you're, you're you're doing really, really well. Perfect. I love it. And the last question I'd love, love to ask you is, we always ask people this, if you could go back and tell you, your younger self or, or for the, the newer entrepreneurs or inventors that are listening to this show, what is one thing you would give them from a piece of advice? Find someone that's doing exactly what you want to do and get as close as you can to that person 
and then suck all that information out. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. And if there's someone like you that, that's open to sharing and coaching, it should be a, a really worthwhile and meaningful relationship. So I appreciate that. Well, I, I was very fortunate because I had a mentor when I was in my early 20s. And um, he gave, he he gave, you know what he did? He believed in me. Yeah. And, and he's still a good friend, and I've known him my whole career. And he helped me. He doesn't have to help me. And he treated everybody with respect, no matter if the person was, you know, in the back room or was the president of the company. He treated everyone, the receptionist. I, get to, I got to see him treat people so fairly. And, and that had a big impact on me. And he believed in me. And he told me I wasn't crazy. And he changed my life. So if I can have the opportunity to change some others, you know, what a, what a gift. So that's, that's part of what I like you know, I enjoy now. That's great. Well, Stephen, I can't thank you enough for, for agreeing to come on the show. I know, I know I missed you when you were here at the University of Michigan speaking to the Stamp School, and then we got to catch up in Chicago, and since then you've been on a whirlwind traveling. So I really appreciate you taking a ton of time out of your busy schedule to come on the show. So thank you so very much. No, my pleasure, and thank you for the invite. Anytime. Perfect. Well, once again, I want to thank Mr. Stephen Key for coming on the show. He is the co-founder of InventRight. If you have any questions about how to get your product to market through uh, protecting it, licensing it, he's got a great program, great coaches that can assist you with that. And I just want to thank him again for coming on, inventor, author, and just all-around amazing mentor and, and person. So thank you so, so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you for those kind words, Michael. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Once again, this is Michael Melfi. Thank you for taking a look back with me at some of the relevant conversations we've had over the past couple years across the entrepreneurial ecosystem and the investable world. As always, check out the Be Investable podcast latest episodes here on iTunes. And also, look for some of my blog posts on the Michigan Business Network. 